Hello, Paul. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to a very, very special top-up edition of our Falcon and the Winter Soldier spoiler special podcasts. No Marvel Studios fanfare orchestra today. None of that preamble. No recaps. Basically, uh, I felt that our last episode was truncated slightly because I had to go and run off to do a spoiler special interview. And so we barely got to scratch the surface of the questions that you guys, the listeners, send in to us. (laughs) Not that we're particularly well placed to answer it. None of us worked on the show, but we will do our level best. So I thought we'd come back do a quick episode uh, in which we can get to your as many of your questions as we possibly can. Uh, and we, of course, being my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, uh, James Dyer is off faffing around with the Flag Smashers uh, right now. So I'm joined by Geek Queen Helen O'Hara. Hello. And the living embodiment of Baby Yoda himself, Ben Travis. Hello. Welcome both. Welcome both. All right. Enough faffing around. I don't care how you are. I do not care for small talk. Let's get straight to questions. <laughs> this one comes from Instagram. Here's a question from Instagram. Uh, not from Instagram itself. It hasn't become self-aware. Uh, but from that Paul Forsyth. Of. That we know of. And who knows? Maybe that's what Sam and Bucky will have to take down in episode six. <laughs> maybe Instagram is the power broker. Oh, my God. It makes about as much sense as Reed Richards in WandaVision. Anyway. Uh, Paul Forsyth. Forsythster. Slid into my DMs on Instagram to say, I was curious what the entire, uh, the, mm, yes, I was curious what the consensus is for the entire timeline of the super soldier serum. How, for example, did Isaiah Bradley get the serum? Did Howard Stark experiment on Isaiah Bradley to try to create the serum, which Bucky mm. then stole from the Stark's trunk in 1991? Whoa. Does that make Howard Stark culpable for the horrors that Isaiah experienced? Oh, that part of the timeline. That's interesting. Okay. Like the whole timeline of the yeah, Super Soldier Yeah, okay, Serum. okay. So uh, in the comics, in truth, red, white, and black, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the sort of black soldiers, including Isaiah, were experimented on. And I think they by fudged the this- in, By the government. And I the think they fudged this in the comics, right? In the comics, they there mm. is a bit where they're reading a Steve Rogers Captain America comic in the comic. They, the characters are reading this comic- and saying yeah. they're saying this guy's been around for longer, but really, you know, they must have been experimenting on us first and then used it on him. My reading of that is a little bit of a fudge on Marvel's part, and I think it was designed to kind of get Steve off the hook and, and out of culpability for any of this. And I think I think the idea is that the government is trying to replicate what they did with Steve on those black soldiers and not yeah. that, that they were experimented on first. Now, some people have read it differently. So the, uh, do your reading out there. There, there, are, there is a little bit of, of ambiguity on that, but that's certainly my reading is that they are that they are trying to recreate what Steve was, right? Within and that, the world that of the MCU. On, that, within the world of the saying? MCU. Well, okay. I think within the world of the MCU. Within the world of the MCU, we haven't been told yet when Isaiah was actually experimented on. But I think the implication mm. is if Bucky met him in the Korean War in the 1950s, yeah. then that would kind of fit with a they kept experimenting after Steve and and you know then used them in the next war out. In in the comics in truth, uh, red, white, and black, none of them basically survive except for mm. Isaiah. And he was he fell in with the French resistance and then was imprisoned. Later, mm. so it's 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 they weren't around basically in the Korean War, so it's obviously all, already a different timeline. But yes, I think in the MCU there is an implication that Hard Stark did at least try to play with recreate the formula, and that that was what Bucky was after in the what eighties, right? No, ninety one, right? Ninety one, ninety one. Yeah, December seventeenth, December sixteenth, sixteenth. Always one day out. 
Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I for some reason I remember this September sixteenth. I wasn't I there. Thinking I have an seventeen. Seventeen's in his in his code, isn't it? Yes. In his activation code. So maybe that's what's confusing me. Yes. I, I feel like it maybe tracks as well that it would take them a long time to recreate this thing. Technology and our understanding of science, even even for the stock tech guys, has massively come on in the last like 20, 30 years. The acceleration of that kind of thing. It it does make sense to me that they would spend decades trying to recreate this thing but kind of now is the the point that they're actually able to do that in a more stable form i can mm. sort of yeah. see that i mean the super soldier serum has been driving a lot of activity in the mcu mm. for a long long time and it makes absolute sense because we as far as we know steve rogers was the the first and the only recipient of the proper super soldier serum so he had six files of the bloody thing he was bombarded with fighter rays you know it was a whole thing and of course as we mentioned in the last episode he has an innate decency and goodness mm. inside him which made him what he was which was helen's number one guy um hey, my love is pure i keep telling my, you this you okay mostly yeah so we think he was the first it makes sense we saw that you know the Erskine was killed the formula was destroyed mm. so they, they, they couldn't replicate it immediately which is why there's only one of him but Schmidt had his own version of it already he was doing something he was experimenting on them in some way yeah because he's taken why it Bucky, himself yeah so there's there's it's always out there Banner tries to replicate it, and that is the MCU's version of Banner's origin, that he was trying to replicate the Super Soldier Serum. It went a bit wonky, and he turned big and green. I think um, it's also been a driving force in episodes of Agent Carter. You know, it was also the quest for protecting Steve's blood and uh, preventing that from being used to clone another another Super Soldier forms, uh, formula. So I think there's there's definitely precedent for this, and there's definitely kind of a setup for it. But yeah, if there are other subjects who were recipients of something similar at around the same time, if that has now been refined, rebuilt, then mm-hmm. that would explain where we are, I guess. Okay, so yeah, there's there's a big old chunk of time missing though, between 1951 and 1991. What happened to it? Did the government pursue it further? Have they experimented in people further? Is Reed Richards involved? He almost certainly oh is. No, it's all Mephisto, isn't it's it? It's all Mephisto <laughs> yeah. working with Reed Richards. <laughs> and the X-Men. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, here's a question from Bristol Bad Film Club on Twitter, the other BBFC on Twitter. And they ask, what is, well, they ask a couple of things, the cheeky beggars. Uh, what is the state of the Avengers at the moment? Surely rogue super soldiers would be enough to mobilize Hulk, Strange, and whoever else is kicking around. See, I don't know that rogue super soldiers are that big a threat. <laughs> I just, I, I, I wonder about this a little bit. Yes, they're obviously going to be very, very deadly. And I guess, isn't the talk in Civil War that Hydra would have been using them to destabilize governments? You could send these people in, especially because they don't look massively roided up. You could send them in to take down governments and dictators and all sorts of stuff and manipulate the stock market and whatnot. But I do wonder if this is like a very much a sea level threat for the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're around, because I still don't think they are. Uh, I don't think the Avengers are a thing at the moment. Thanos set the bar very high. I don't know. <laughs> they probably look at this and just think, it's fine. Someone's going to deal with this. Someone's going to look after somebody this. Somebody will figure that out. Yeah. Set Sam on it. It's all right. That's the thing. It feels like a Captain America level threat. Mm. It feels of a piece with the threats in Winter Soldier, which was still world enslavement by Hydra. You know, that was the threat there. And, and Civil War, I guess, was more personal. But there was that element of, ooh, are there other... Winter soldiers out there, are there like six winter soldiers we'll send 
Cap on the trail. So it does feel like kind of of a piece with the things that Cap was dealing with in his own films. And so I yeah. quite like the sense that you've got a Cap level threat, but a big scrap over who is who gets to be that Cap and who gets to be that person who yeah. who chases in America. Yeah. Exactly. No, I think that's that's totally sensible. I think it's um yeah it's it's about just uh, keeping it at a level that is a challenge for our guys, but not so much of a challenge that we're we're sitting here wondering why they haven't called all their super friends, um, who presumably have their own challenges to deal with one way or another. So I think I think that's that's fine. I I mean the the other thing is, and I'm just gonna like slightly be bad here. Um, just say this for badness, but. Uh, Maybe the other Avengers think that the Flag Smashers are completely in the right and that everyone should just stay out of their fucking way, you know, because they're actually just trying to distribute food to hungry people, which, I don't know, doesn't seem that bad to me, so. Mm. And kill people. I mean, okay, but that's pretty recent, so, you know. (laughs) We can overlook (sighs) it. It's fine. We'll deduct a point. Yeah. They get a silver star rather than a gold star. Helen is drinking from a (laughs) Maleficent mug as she is uh, (laughs) saying it's perfectly fine that the Flag Smashers killed those people. (laughs) I'm not saying that, to be clear. It's one of those things as well, isn't it, where, you know, Hulk turns up or Doctor Strange turns up, then you have a very short show. (laughs) So it's it's one of those. But honestly, like, that might have been good because then we actually have time to get into the issues that this show kind of promised us it was going to talk about and kind of set up in the first two episodes. So maybe if if Hulk could just, like, turn up, deal with all this shit, and then we could actually get back to some character work, that would be super good. So hang on, you want, you want episode two, you wanted Hulk or Doctor Strange, uh, who, by the way, not an Avenger, but you want Hulk or Doctor Strange to turn up kick the Flag Smasher's ass, break John Walker's spine, presumably, just for the temerity to have the shield. Wow. I, I mean, mean, that'll teach him. It's a bit that'll vain, teach him. but, you know, I'm open it is to it at this point. You know, do that. Oh, go, what's this? Do some spinny discs thing, throw some furniture around, get get quite angry. And then the other four episodes would have been, what, people sitting down and talking? I mean, honestly, kind of yes. Okay, that sounds good. And I, I still think, I still wonder, the, the, the actual status of the Avengers post-Endgame has yet to be properly addressed in the MCU, mm. you know, and who is an Avenger, who isn't an Avenger, how they get bankrolled. I know we're back to, you know, to life of the Tony Stark, but he did bankroll the Avengers. Did he leave provision or did he just leave them like he did with Peter Parker, a pair of funky glasses and a wish you all the best, good luck with your future endeavours kind of thing, <laughs> like leaving nobody anything else. I mean, I feel like the ones that are still around as well, uh, they're just knackered, man. Like, did you see what they went through in Endgame? Like, you'd you'd be like, this is six months on, so hey, we're taking a bit of a sabbatical. If something comes up, then I guess we can be on it. But it it feels like everyone just needs a bit of a rest. Uh, Yeah, Doctor Strange, not technically an Avenger. You've got Peter Parker kind of dealing with his own stuff, like finishing school. Mm. Come on, man, you've got to graduate. Yeah, seriously, got to graduate, come on. Although he's got to have enough points to graduate. He's got to have done some AP classes in there. He's probably halfway to his college degree right now. Come on. <laughs> well, presumably he's public enemy number one at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, that for, might... For, you know, for, for, for reasons. Yeah, that doesn't mean you don't graduate, does it? I mean, come on, you know. He can get his GED in prison if he needs to. We okay. need a scene of Bucky and Sam just sitting around like, oh my God, that kid, he seemed great, but apparently he just murdered a guy. <laughs> yes, but he was a bad guy. But then we're back to the Flag Smashers thing again. Anyway, they also ask, uh, Bristol Bad Film Club also ask, it seems inevitable that Sharon's going to be the power broker. Does it seem inevitable? I don't know. Seems possible. I would say possible. If it's revealed she's the big bad, are we meant to believe that a stand-up former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent became a criminal mastermind after going on a run for theft? 
I don't think that's where the show is going. I, I fully prepared. I'm fully prepared to concede if I'm wrong, that I was wrong, but I think it would be wrong if that were the result. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if it's inevitable, but I do wonder if it's leading us there. I, I've I've fully got I've done a a, a Chris on <laughs> Reed Richards or on Mephisto, where I'm like, no, I'm convinced now that um no, I'm not fully convinced, but from where I was a couple of episodes ago of like, oh, that never even crossed my mind that Sharon would be the power broker to like, oh, I can kind of see that, and uh, not in a mean way, but it wouldn't make the most sense. But some things in this show haven't made the most <laughs> sense, so I can't sit there with my usual kind of complete rigid marvel logic filters going like oh no they can't do that because it doesn't really mm. fit like i they could do that and to be fair if they did do that it would make her a more interesting character than See, she has been at any yeah. point that's mm. the best argument i think for them doing that is because why bring the blandest person in the marvel universe back unless you're going to do right by her. So, you know, arguably, maybe they tried to do that with the very cool, gen genuinely cool fight scene that she got. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think you need a bit of character work as well. And I think certainly turning out to be a, at best, extremely <laughs> ambiguous figure, um, and at worst, a full-on big bad, uh, would, would certainly justify her time. I wouldn't say she's a blandest character in the MCU, but if this were an episode of Rest of Development, then Michael Booth would almost certainly be referring to her as Egg or Her. <laughs> so, <laughs> she would she not could. have a chicken dance, I'll tell you that. <laughs> she, has, she has strong her energy, doesn't she? Um, here's a question from at Brewery underscore Chris regular contributor to these podcasts, and she asks, do you think it was a very deliberate choice to have John Walker's closest personal relationships be with black people, Battlestar and his wife, but then still be pushed over the edge by the Dora Milaje defeating him? And yeah, I, when you're watching the episode again after we recorded mm. it, you know, you notice the little bits of casual racism that he calls their their weapons pointy sticks. Mm. And Brewery underscore Chris, uh, Chris Telby also goes on to ask, are you surprised at all that the debate has uh, ar arisen over whether or not the Dora Milaje were out of line to have the failsafe in Bucky's arm? Mm. So first question first. Um, yep. I think I, I read it a bit less as racism and a bit more as sexism. Uh, I'm not not saying there's no racism there because I think there is, but I think there's just a casual assumption of superiority to pretty much all people on his part. Um, yeah, and I suspect that's not a race or a gender thing, but it certainly plays itself as both. Um, there's a really interesting struggle at the core of Walker mm. because we have seen in private moments with his wife and with um, Lamar. Yeah, God rest him. That. Walker doubts that he's good enough to do this mm -hmm. when he's with people that he really, really trusts. He's like, I'm not sure I, I'm good enough to do this. I don't think I have it in me. Uh, I'm paraphrasing wildly or even just mm -hmm. putting words in his mouth. But anyway, and then in that, in that conversation he has with Lamar in the sort of cafe in, in, in Riga, he, you know, even talks about the things that they had to do to get the Medal of Honor three times were yeah. not great things. So he's got he's he's got self-awareness when he's with people he trusts. It's when he's with other people that that bullishness and that superiority and that supremacy mm. uh, side of him comes through in really, really unpalatable fashion. It sort of tracks in a way that, yeah, he is coming from a place of insecurity. I think it's quite telling that you see in these private moments and away from everyone that he is that he is insecure, that he has doubts about these things, which I think sort of pushes him then in public to be like, no, I am Captain America. Don't you doubt me? Because he's very much doubting himself. It's just coming out in very violent ways. Mm. 
I guess. I do, I, I do find it that contrast weird, actually. And I think that the... Um, I think the Wyatt Russell is is phenomenal, actually, and I, do, I don't think we talked about this enough on the main podcast. But no. like his performance is great, especially in yeah, those he's scenes. Really he's really, really, really good. good. But I do think again, the writing isn't quite as joined up as I would like, and I feel like there is a way to show that your villain is insecure, and that's why they are acting in this incredibly arrogant, bullish manner. And I don't know that this show has actually tied those two together in a satisfying way. Um, mm. So I, mm. I feel like we're getting the the moments of, as you say, absolutely, Chris, insecurity and, and self-awareness when he's on his own. But then he goes so far in the other direction without the kind of connective little moments to, to explain that one comes from the other in a way. I, I, I don't think it's quite making that feel as rounded as it should. I feel like I'm seeing two characters, both of which are well played, but they're not necessarily gelling in the way that I want. I, I wonder if things will coalesce and come together yeah, for I that character, so. for the show in the last two episodes in particular. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's accidental that the first person in the show to die being the black sidekick. That's not coincidental. I think that's entirely deliberate. And we may get more ramifications from that as as things go on. I think Malcolm Spellman, who's the showrunner, has things to say. And whether he's you know able to say them overtly right now, we will see. But I think I think more things will emerge over the next two episodes, so. yeah. the final two episodes. Uh, let's hope anyway. But the final question was about the debate which arose on Twitter after we recorded the episode yeah. um, about the failsafe that the Dormelage put into Bucky's arm. So his arm will just drop off in the middle of a battle. So there was there was some conversation about this being ableist, um, which I, I understand where it's coming from, I think, as, as far as I can as an able-bodied person. But the idea that they would they would take the power upon themselves to literally disarm him, to literally take away his mobility and his um, you know full range of motion. Um, that that is ableist and um, and and pretty harsh. It's it is harsh. I think. On the other hand, there's the fact that he is a very dangerous assassin, and that it is not perhaps unreasonable to build in a failsafe um, for someone like that if he turns it against you. This is not a failsafe that they have bandied about the villains of the world. This is something known to the royal guard of the country that gave him that arm. So it's not, you know, it's not perhaps unreasonable, you might say, that Wakanda keep control of the gift that Wakanda gave him mm -hmm. uh, to some degree, at least to the extent of not using it against them. Also, it's not just an arm. It's not like he just has a regular arm that means he can do the things that he wants to do. It is a super mega punchy vibranium bionic arm thing that punches people really hard and is basically a weapon. I think they're not taking away, they're not trying to take away his ability to do things or this kind of the extra agency he has by having this other arm. And also, I think as we saw in um, whichever sting it was when you see Bucky with the with the long hair and he's been in Wakanda mm. for a while and he he doesn't have a bionic arm there yeah. and he mm -hmm. seems perfectly mm -hmm. fine and happy. I think it's They've maybe put some things throughout the MCU that he he can exist without the arm. He is happy without the arm. He is kind of at a place of peace with that. But obviously, if he has the option of it, then, then great, he will yeah. use it. But yeah, when when they disarm him in that moment, it's like they are they are disarming a a weapon. They're not disarming mm -hmm. it because it is 
his other arm. Well, do you know what I mean? Also, it's it's their arm. It's their you know. It, there's a very complicated discussion here about property and possession and law and all sorts of stuff. But it is their arm. His other arm was in Siberia, right, on the yeah, floor and, of that, that base. And they don't take it. And they don't take the shield, and arguably they no. could take both. Yes. But they basically, they take, and I didn't read his expression so much as betrayal. I know some people see it as betrayal. I read it as shock um, yes. rather than anything else, um, and a bit being taken aback. I think it was, it's quite shocking at first, and then it's almost comical because she's just like, yep, yeah, that happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but but I, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's actually pretty proportionate of the Wakandans. They do exactly as much as they need to do to stop the fight. And then they don't take the arm. They don't take the shield. They just withdraw. It's like, stop, dude. We're not going to take it away, but just like yeah. stop for a moment. I think the real danger is if Rocket Raccoon finds out about this little <laughs> thing, because he's going to get that arm. <laughs> he's oh, gonna, I'm going to get that, that arm, arm sir. <laughs> Absolutely. I do have a look. My only criticism of the Dora in this entire uh, episode, really, is their assumption of of jurisdiction. Because uh, you know, come on, in international law, you need a treaty to be able to operate the way that they operate, just as John Walker does, in fact. And they're all outside their jurisdiction, and have it claiming jurisdiction wherever they find themselves is, as a matter of international law, nonsense. With all respect to Wakanda, so that was my that was my only quibble with any of the Dora Milaje. And I will not I will not be saying that to their face, but I no. may put it in a letter to their consulate. A very strongly worded letter, and possibly <laughs> even a pamphlet campaign. Who knows? Whoa. Uh, but yeah, as I said on the on the last show, uh, yeah, it it absolutely makes sense they build in this failsafe because they're smart cookies, and mm -hmm. I think this is this is why Ao was so confident in that beginning with Bucky, you know, trying to purge him of his programming. That if anything went wrong, she'd be able to handle him. Because let's not forget, Bucky in full Winter Soldier mode, in in the Winter Soldier, managed to handle Steve, Natasha and Sam all at the same time, and is a very, very, very scary and dangerous dude. So I'd build in a failsafe. And if there's, so, if there's some people who are up in arms about that, no pun intended, then, you know, hey-ho, what can you do? At John C. N. Harris, uh, John Harris, formerly of the Bower Media Parish, much missed, he's not dead. Um, at least I hope he's not. Otherwise, he sent this message from beyond the grave. Oh, no. In the mid-season trailer, I swear John Walker definitely has a different shield. Where did he get this? Does it mean the government were always going down the John Walker route and Sam giving up the shield was just convenient? Also, do we think that the training scene between Bucky and Sam that was teased so early on might actually be the end of the show? I haven't seen the mid-season trailer. I don't want to watch the mid-season trailer. I did it for WandaVision. It gave far too much away. Uh, so I'm I'm holding off, but you guys have, right? I've seen it I watched once. It, yeah, I watched it once and was like, that looks fun. Okay, looks not really thinking great. about any of that anymore. Yep. <laughs> so we're, we're terrible at analysing that, sorry. I am intrigued about the shield business in that um, I, I don't know quite where John would have got a second shield from, but I think it has, for me, a through line of the series has to be that Sam gives up that exact shield and that that exact shield is then immediately yeah. given to John Walker. Like, I think if you have this other thing where in the background all the government already trying to come up with a Captain America plan and and that involved they already have another shield like no I think it has to be that that yeah that is 
Steve's shield, but it is Sam's shield that that John Walker has. So I'm intrigued with where that's mm. going to go. I thought the I thought the trailer looked really exciting. Um, that's partly why I didn't watch it more than once because I was like, okay, no, this looks great, and I don't really want to delve into any of the stuff that's happening here. I just feel like with where this most recent episode ended up, with that shot of John Walker with the bloody shield, it feels like this this series has really like kicked into gear. I, I kind of just wish this moment had come a few episodes ago because. I think this is going to propel more than two episodes worth of drama and emotions and cool fights and mm. all sorts of other stuff. Like I am more invested than ever in where this series is going. And I kind of mm. wish we didn't only have two episodes left to sort of yeah. wrap it all up. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm willing, I'm hoping that at some point we get Sam and Bucky locking emotionally into the story, mm. and as in, what are the what are the stakes for them? What are the outcomes? What are they What are they going to lose? Sam's already lost the shield; he gave away the shield. But what's going to happen to him if things go pear shaped? What's going to happen to Bucky if things go pear shaped? I think we're getting more of a sense of Bucky. Bucky has more to lose: his freedom, his liberty. You know. Um, his sense you of know, self as well, like that that yeah. line where he's like, "Hey, if Steve was wrong about you, what does that say about me?" I feel like his whole kind of mental well being lies on the yeah. line here. Yeah, so Very I think much. they need to dial into what you know Sam's stakes as well. Um, I'm I've got a sneaky suspicion that Sarah might be in in jeopardy uh, as as the show goes on, but we sh- we shall see. Here's a question from David Yang. Uh, he says, I loved how the episode ended, how the end credits got a new score. Really dark. Anyone notice that? Mm-hmm. It was that was quite cool. Yeah, it, was good. it was moody. Yeah. Moody. Moody. Henry Jackman goes moody. Uh, nevertheless, says David, I feel the score of the show relies too heavily on themes from the previous Captain America movies, having the Cap themes played on Walker. So after he gets taken out by the door Malage, uh, he's talking to the Mar. Uh, there is a theme that plays that is from Captain America Civil War. Mm. But that theme is called Catastrophe. And I think it's actually a really clever use by Henry Jackman uh, yeah. because that's exactly what Walker is going to incur. He's going to incur Catastrophe. And I think that giving that theme to Walker, who almost corrupts it with his Walkerishness, is very, very clever. Um, mm. But, you know, just as long as they, they keep the Sylvester score away from him, then this, you know, the Sylvester theme, then I'll, I'll be happy about that. Yeah, I think it works in quite a cool way in that, um, obviously, in Civil War, as much as um, we all know where Helen and Chris individually stand, Cap had gone rogue. So you have that element of kind of you don't quite know where Cap stands. And I think it adds to that idea. (laughs) We do. He's... I think I think I am Team Cap. I don't know. I am undecided. Chris, maybe you can sway me to Team Iron Man. But I think I mean, how long do you have, Ben? You only have about ten minutes. So. Yeah, then I gotta go. But yeah, reframing these new moments with that old music that is very attached to Steve. I think it adds in a nice way to the whole "you're not Ron" situation of like it's it's still weird seeing John Walker holding that shield and kind of taking that mantle. And I think then layering this other Steve stuff around him adds to the fact, accents the fact that he is not Steve. Um, so I'm not against yeah. them reusing those bits of music. I think it's done in quite a purposeful way. I mean, even, I meant to say this on the show the other day, but even the the way that Walker kills this dude at the end of the episode is reminiscent. I mean, Steve goes through the same actions. He goes through the same motions at the end of Civil War. When he has Tony prone on the ground, he raises his shield above his head and Tony even covers his face and then because he's Steve Rogers he chooses not to do it and he puts Mm -hmm. his shield down and he basically concedes the fight whereas Walker goes through with it and I think this is a deliberate 
contrast between the two guys in terms yeah. of that that frame. Also, there's a moment where he's got the shield raised above his head, and I seem to remember a a panel from the comics. I'm, I've been really trying to find this of Walker doing this in the comics, where he's got his it, it, the shot from very it's a low angle shot, very low angle, very very much pointed up at him, and he's got the shield above his head. He's got a look of madness in his face. He's about to bring it down on someone and kill him. And I'm sure that's referencing a panel from the comics, but I can't find it. Mm. And um, I would have thought that the uber, uber comic nerbs would have um, would have pin- pinpointed it now. So maybe I'm just barking up the wrong effing tree. Perhaps. 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 Question from at CC Tabbit. It's about that bloody shield again. Literally. Uh, I was wondering if it would be possible for anyone, even Sam, maybe even Steve, old Steve, to use the shield now that it's become a murder weapon. Dong, dong. I, I feel like it may have been a murder weapon in the past, just not, not the way that Chris <laughs> Evans meant it to be. He, he re- There are a few shots, especially in Winter Soldier, when he uh, lands on that boat and he's like whipping it at people. He's, I think he might be snapping some necks there. Oh, he's definitely killed some people, but like, there's a difference between killing people in the heart of battle and repeatedly bludgeoning a man mm. who is lying at your feet. Till you basically either sever his head or smash his head. Like, I'm not sure which, but I don't want to know, actually. What if Steve so, had got that boat wrong? What if that was just a cruise ship and he was just running around just like bumping boing. off pensioners? No, Chris, this is the Disney cruise. Stop. <laughs> no, it's all gone wrong. Have you suffered an injury at work? Have you been hit in the face by Captain America's shield? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be about how Sam brings the shield back and tries mm. to restore its reputation and is trying to restore Captain America's reputation, right? That's I think that's where the show is going to end up. The problem is, I mean, that's a that's a long-term project and this is two episodes left. You know, again, I just think there's too much going on and I kind of wish they'd been a bit more streamlined since day one in terms of the storytelling. But but yeah, I think I think there's a long road to kind of recovery because that image was horrific. There, there was a great uh, meme on Twitter this week. Um, saying how America sees itself with a picture of Steve Rogers, you know, yes. running through the forest heroically and how the rest of the world sees America, which is Walker with the shield bloodied. And and, that, and there's a lot to that. But, you know, the process of kind of rehabilitating both America's foreign policy in the real world and America's foreign policy in the show is, a, you know, it's a piecemeal endeavor. It has to be mm. done slowly. It has to be done piece by piece. And um yeah, I don't know how you do that in two episodes. I don't think yeah. you can. Maybe maybe that's season two, you know? Maybe the next two episodes are trying to regain the shield and maybe they do a season two, two which is trying to restore its reputation. That's interesting. I would have thought this was a, a one and done situation, but you might be right. You might this, be right. This one set felt a little bit less one and done than WandaVision, potentially on paper. Obviously, mm. I don't know where it's going. But this one, I, f- I always felt like had the potential to be longer running. That might not be something they're planning. It might be me yeah. reading too much into it, but I-, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a second. If I were a betting podcast host, and obviously I'm not, I was at the weekend, I lost 30 quid in the Grand National. <laughs> a horse called Chris's Dream. Oh, well, you had to. I mean, you, you could have put 10 quid on that, right? To, yeah, yeah. That's oh, fair. God, the symbolism there. He, he went yeah. all in on Chris's dream. <laughs> <laughs> and then pulled up, it unseated his rider, and then reversed over him five times. <laughs> uh, um, if that was in a screenplay, I'd be like, no, that's too on the nose, Chris. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if I were a betting podcast host, if I did have a gambling addiction, I would say that when the fun stops, stop. Obviously, I would say that. But I would also say that uh, 
I think this is going to end with Sam being Cap and it will lead into a fourth Captain America film, but just with Sam Wilson. Whether Bucky's part of that or not, I'm sure he will be. But, uh, you know, I think if they don't do that, if they don't take the opportunity to put a new Cap, a black Cap on the big screen, I would say that they're missing a fairly big trick there. Um, This is a great opportunity and Marvel, this you know, this new wave of Marvel is embracing diversity and representation in a way that they never have before, and I think that would be an incredible opportunity to to embrace. And frankly, I'd like to see I'd like to see these characters explored a little bit more, and you know, maybe with with the with the you know, this is a big budget show, but with a proper proper big MCU budget. And what an opportunity as well to just continue this incredible character arc for Sam. Like if they mm-hmm. can follow through on that of of. Then when they kind of keep going with it and you look back at Winter Soldier and when he runs past Steve for the first time or Steve runs past him and going like, oh man, these guys go through so much together and then he's fighting, he's on your left in Endgame and then he becomes Captain America. Like that would be such an incredible arc across more or less, well, from phase two onwards, the whole MCU. Mm. I I would love them to do that. I, I want this Sam Captain America film. That is absolutely what I want. It's kind of what I expected post Endgame. And I guess it always felt to me like this series was the kind of in-betweeny bit um, to sort of get him there. But I do understand that there is something extra complicated as Sam already has complicated feelings about that shield. And I can only imagine that is more complicated now that it is physically covered in neck gristle. I mean- Death hole wipes will take care of that, Ben. How many? A little blood cleanses of this deed. You know, it's fine. Out, out, damn spot. It'll be no problem. I'm, I'm Helen lying. Dropping, dropping the bard. You know, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm. I would be very here for a Sam Wilson Captain America film. Um, I just don't know if that's the way that they're going to go. And as you told me when I complained about Ms. Marvel going straight to TV rather than film, TV isn't second best. You know, it's also good. So. Um, if they if they do stay here for a season two, I'm sure that they will make the most of it and make it a good one. We have very little time. Um, I'm blame Ben this time. He is the Ooh. one with the hard out. Uh, so I'm just going to very, very quickly go. Writer Lee Claire on Twitter says, she says they have hinted that after Seema was done taking down all the other super soldiers, Bucky is still in his list. Interesting. Yeah, that's, I, I did. that did occur to me that when they were kind of, you know, acting slightly chummily, I, I do think... He's got to be at the very least wary of Bucky, but he also must be aware of Bucky's origin and the fact that he did not choose this, which might give him some uh, safety. Pigeon on Twitter. Uh, do you think we're likely to meet Captain Britain in the MCU in this phase? I thought that Falcon and Winter Soldier would be a good vehicle to introduce him or her, but you know, traditionally him, uh, but it seems unlikely now. After the last five years, I can honestly yeah. say I would hate that. Please yeah. don't do it. Dude, don't do it. Nobody wants it. Which wouldn't surprise you in the least, quite frankly. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up with this one last question from at Cantonas Ghost, who says, as journalists, do you recommend the headline Decapitation America? Oh, that is good. I wish that was my squadcast name. Damn it. Sure. Yeah. 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 No. I'm I mean, not sure yeah. how that would fit on the on the on the newspaper, but you know, you can make it with the kerning would be way off for one thing. But yes, I'm all for in a headline sense, 
Decapitation America. And uh, speaking of Squadcast names, because Ben's got to run, I'm afraid that is it. There are still questions we didn't get to. Perhaps we'll tackle them in the Episode 5 show, which will be out next Monday. But until we meet again, until then, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Squadcast name, Captain America, brackets, Steve's version, close brackets, Ben Travis. It's a Taylor Swift thing. Look it up. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I did not understand that reference. It is goodbye from someone who quite frankly hasn't even bothered with a name. I was was rushing to get in here and it always takes me a second to think of You can change your name in in show. I know, but I didn't think of any. So, you know, here we are. Hello. Bye. Toodaloo. (laughs) It's Decapitation America. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I'll just do the George Lucas cut. And it's goodbye from me, Walker. Texas danger. Never mind um, Taylor Swift. Something earlier on Ben said brought to mind the great lyrics of one Avril Lavigne. Sam, <laughs> Bucky, John Walker, Simo, Io, Sharon Carter. Why do you have to go make things so complicated? I know. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.